everybody and welcome to the sixth version of Ground Control. Today our actual session is actually about um, looking at where we're going uh, in the near future and some of the things that are actually happening in the environment at the moment. The title of the session is The Roller Coaster is Over, Now for a Few Road Bumps. And today with me we have our Chief Investment Officer, Emmanuel Caligaris, who's going to actually uh, unpack some of the issues that we're actually seeing at the moment, which is going to give you a little bit of an idea of what also you'll see over the next uh, few months uh, as we look at some of the company announcements. Emmanuel, welcome. Thanks very much for your time again today. Thanks, Graham. Good to see you. We've, uh, we've just seen the announcement by Westpac of, uh, of uh, some uh, changes to their dividend policy and also a relatively large loss. Not all of that's to do with COVID-19. Uh, can you give us some feedback on, on what you think about that? And, uh, and also, can we see some expectation that other companies are going to roll up a few of the other issues facing them uh, as, a, as COVID-19 issues? Sure, Graeme, um, and uh, hello, everybody, again. Um, yeah, it's been a, a very interesting roller coaster, as you put it, uh, and, um, and now the question is these speed bumps. We know that companies are living, breathing organisms. They're very dynamic. They've got... Um, different uh, 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 levels of investments that they have over time, which some they might realise today, some they might have in the plans for the next three or four years, and then some conceptual ideas that where the business might grow to in five to ten years' time. The conceptual ones, out of ten or fifteen projects, they might even come up with one or two. Um, and, uh, and whilst they're investing money in trying to move down a road, uh, they will uh, probably capitalise or, or count it as an asset on the balance sheet before if it doesn't, it doesn't make any money, they'll probably have to write it off at some point in time. So uh, understanding that these companies uh, uh, live and breathe and um, invest and you know, not all investments pay off, they take the opportunity at certain times to write certain things off. This was a classic example for Westpac. Westpac decided that, um, well, you know, there's a, a lot of um, uh, people who are uh, you know, struggling to pay their mortgages, so to speak. They blame COVID-19 and the total shutdown. People haven't got jobs. Um, what else can we sneak into the numbers to write it off, have a massive capital raising, uh, and then um, and then clear the decks effectively for the next earnings season. Um, Within this result that we saw just recently, they had an impairment charge of almost $900 million uh, for the, to settle the Austrack issue. Um, so again, it was time to sort of settle that book, write that off, um, have a, a, a capital raising or a, an issue of shares, um, recapitalise the company and away it goes again. Uh, what's important is here, and this is something that we have believed for a long time, is um, banks have been really good payers, Westpac, CBA, NAB, ANZ, have been really good payers of dividends. But the recent results highlighted that you just can't count on dividends to get your returns or to get your uh, investment income because they can be cut fairly easily. Uh, and so what this highlights to us and reinforces what we're looking for whenever we are uh, investing in, into a company, into a share market, is that it's not just about the dividend. It's about the capital growth uh, plus the dividend if you get it. Um, total return is what we're after, and um, and so uh, you know it reinforces the fact that you can't just 
rely on, on, on dividends for income. Look, it's an interesting uh, environment and you know, we talk about Westpac, but they're a big, big organisation and they're, they're very prominent uh, and uh, we know that they had that issue with uh, their, um, the, uh, with Austrac and their uh, anti-money laundering uh, issue. That's uh, as part of their, their loss, uh, some of the impairment is also part of their loss. Uh, but we also know from their balance sheet they're also carrying um, a certain number of um, what we call franking credits. And these are credits for tax they've already paid but haven't necessarily distributed to us in dividends. So they do actually have some ability to pay dividends. Do you think the regulatory body, APRA, are, are trying to make sure they're sufficiently capitalised and that's why they're not paying part of the dividend? Oh, I think that there's an element of that in there as well, absolutely correct. And so, um, again, it's better to sort of keep a little bit of money in the till, so to speak, or leave it in the safe, um, just in case the pothole um, is a bit deeper than what they would have previously assumed. So, uh, so it's good to be conservative in these times. I mean, you know, no one knows exactly what's going to happen over the next course of the next year. Um, one thing's for sure, though, is that the market um, is looking through this earnings uh, period. What it's saying is this is more irregular than regular. And so um, they're trying to normalise earnings over a long period of time. What looks more normal? This is certainly below you know, cyclical low point. What looks more normal and what is, that, what is the, 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 the profit level likely to be as we move forward? Um, and so as the market's trying to digest this information, it's coming up with the conclusion that um, this is not the normal. This is below normal, um, and so therefore, uh, um, it, what it wants to, you know, being conservative in your accounting uh, um, and being conservative in the way you manage the bank is probably the right thing. Yeah, look, I think that's uh, that's a good thing from Westpac's perspective um, in doing so. One of the one of the issues that um, many of uh, our clients would not necessarily grasp is that when you impair an asset. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's cash going out the door, uh, like real cash going out the door. Uh, it's, it's mainly a book entry on, on that. Is, is that the case with impairments, or a lot of the impairments we'll, we'll see? Uh, I think so. Um, there, there are some uh, uh, real cash sort of not coming in the door, but um, there are a lot of impairment charges which are, look, you know, we never made any money out of this. It's time to just write it off and and uh, and start afresh. Um, so and and you just write down the value of the asset to zero. If it might have been on the books for a million dollars, there's a notional million dollars has just disappeared out of nowhere, right? But but that's the way that the accounting world works, and uh, we just got to understand it um, when uh, when we're thinking about whether we want to invest in these companies. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you you mentioned total return a little bit earlier in our session. Uh, total return. Um, from my perspective is generally the, the combination of what you may get in the way of a dividend and also growth in, uh, in the asset, say growth in a share price or, uh, or, um, or a property. Um, from that perspective, um, we see a lot of people trying to chase dividends. Um, why is total return more important? Okay, so it's interesting because um, from where we sit, as I said before, um, whether the company makes a profit and then reinvests that profit back into more machinery or you know, more of whatever it does to make more money in the future, we should be indifferent. So whether it wants to reinvest for growth 
or whether it says, okay, well, I got nowhere else to invest this money. Um, these projects that, and that whatever it is I'm selling is doing really well. So, you know, you guys as shareholders have supported us. Here's a reward in the form of a dividend. As I say, we should be indifferent. What we like to see is that companies can have a balance between paying a dividend and reinvesting for the future because if it doesn't do enough reinvesting for the future, there's a very likely chance that the um, profit growth can then start to uh, decline. So um, so we like to see companies growing and, and you know if they're paying us a bit of a dividend along the way, um, that's fine. If they're not paying us a dividend but reinvesting it, so long as they're still growing and making the profit. Um, so uh, that's why total return is more important to us. Um, the total health of the company is what's important. There's no point in saying, well, my right arm works, but my left arm doesn't. So uh, from that perspective, um, you know, our preference is to see uh, the, the total health, not just the individual componentry health. In the case of Westpac, um, they are now talking about selling off parts of their assets that aren't making money that should strengthen and strengthen them in the future um, uh, the now the question says okay well you've got it written in the book or the balance sheet at a certain price relative to that price you've got it marked is it, is the price you sell it at going to be higher or is it going to be lower if it's higher that's great because we get a little bit of a further boost because it's been undervalued in the balance sheet. If it's lower, not so good. And so that's where the adjustments are going to be as we move forward. And that's what I think you refer to as the bumps ahead as we move forward because companies are looking at themselves and saying, okay, do I believe that the world has materially changed? And we've spoken about this uh, in the past. Might we be using less office space with more people working from home? Uh, if that is certainly the view of um, the company, uh, that um, that more of its staff can work from home and it reduces its office footprint, as a, as a classic example, um, it may actually save money. So now the property company that's renting that space out, if, if it can't rent it out, uh, to somebody else and now it's got surplus, then its share price will have to be, it will come down as it writes down the value of its assets. Clearly, if you're not getting as much rent as you were before, then the asset must be worth a little bit less. Maybe not a lot less, but a little bit less. So these are the, are the uh, obstacles, the, the issues that I see that we're going to have to address as we move forward. Um, in our latest piece uh, that I wrote for the, the CARE um, investors, I mentioned that um, uh, the worst seems to be over. Now, famous last words. Um, I think there was a, a degree of hysteria as the markets traded, Australian share market in particular, the ASX 200, traded down to about 4,450 or thereabout. Um, it seemed like that was the darkest you know, moment in the, in the recent um, uh, move. We've now since gone back up to about 5,330 or thereabouts, 5,350 as at today. Uh, and uh, again, as I say, I can see a few wobbles along the way from here. But generally speaking, the more that we see that uh, you know, companies uh, are 
getting used to a new normal um, and getting used to the world that we're likely to see over the next little while, I think that we can drift a little bit higher. And they're prepared to look through that valley of no, uh, no, no increase in profits for this year and look into 2021. That's why I'm a little bit more positive than most analysts. Um, again, just looking at the macro fundamentals, so in other words, the big picture or you know, what's going to happen to unemployment, inflation and, and, and uh, the economic indicators, they're going to look awful. We know that for a fact. And from that perspective, I'm not writing them off, but I'm saying that they don't matter as much at this point in time. Very unlike other cycles, we know that we've, we've had an induced coma, so profits of companies are going to get affected. So what we want to know is how we're going to come out on the other side. As I said, um, you know, if last weekend was any indication, there were more cars on the road, there were more visitors, there was more, a little bit more of absolutely everything. So from that perspective, as you mentioned before, the cafes are starting to groom themselves again. They're cleaning the floors, you know, they're moving the tables back into some sort of um, position whereby you're going to have 1.5 metres worth of distance between you and the next person. Um, but, you know, we are going to come out of this. We are going to get back to some sort of normal and I think that the, um, that the share market will reflect uh, the, the more positive signs that we're seeing at the moment. No, that's good. I noticed that, um, you know, we, as you discussed, the possibility of the change in different ways um, uh, we will do things, and particularly you talked about, you know, office buildings there. Um, the repurposing of, uh, of buildings will always be, a, be an opportunity, and I do remember that um, um, living in Paddington in Sydney, uh, it was was like a ghost town for a while, where a lot of the uh, high-end fashion shops had moved into Westfield in uh, in Bondi Junction. Um, they've now repurposed them into lots of different other shops, uh, particularly a lot of restaurants, cafes, bars, um, and uh, and it's now booming again, once again. And I think we can see that uh, whilst we'll have those hiccups with different assets, they'll repurpose and uh, and be structured in different ways. But yeah, there'll be casualties along the way. I mean, no one, no one is going to cruise through this, um, which is why it's been really important, whether you're looking at a small company or a large company, that we understand how much they have in the bank, because what is in the bank in terms of real cash is what's important for their survival. So as we mentioned before, Virgin didn't have any money in the bank. It couldn't survive past three weeks worth of this shutdown. Um, and it's going to be the same case for other companies, uh, small, large, it doesn't matter. What is important is that as uh, you know, any business owner, and, you, know, you, have to, you have to have a bit of money saved away for a rainy day. Um, now, to your the best of your ability. I mean, you know, the, the, the future is full of all sorts of risks. How much is that, that, that number? It just depends on every single company. They're all different. Um, but look, I think that the large end of town in the Australian share market, you know, the BHPs, the Rios, the Fortescues of the world, um, less so the banks, um, although they, they're still going to survive. There's no two ways about it. Um, Cochlear, CSL, they're going to come through this. They're going to come through this absolutely fine. And so if we focus our investment and if we focus our minds on what that means for future returns, panicking at the low point in the market, which we've said so many times is the wrong thing to do, I think that the future will, you know, will be quite bright for, for those companies. 
That's uh, really interesting. And I, look, I read the other day that Warren Buffett um, said that he thought that um, you know we'll be doing less flying um, than uh, we have in the in the past, and I think that sort of um, coincides with your comment about uh, um, we probably doing things differently now that uh, things have changed. If we think about um, the Australian economy and um, we look at probably uh, four, four legs or three legs of that, uh, that economy, we've got trade with other countries, uh, which we depend on. Um, we've got also internal consumption, what you and I buy and, and, uh, and utilise and, and the services that we actually, uh, including restaurants, cafes, bars, all those sorts of things. You and I don't visit bars, of course, but uh, other people might. Uh, but the, um, and of course we've got uh, tourism, inbound tourism and education. Um, so from a trade perspective, from, a, uh, from an internal consumption perspective and from an inbound tourism and education perspective, would you, what would you give in the way? Would you give them a big tick, all three of those, for the, for the near future? Or how would you rate their, our prospects with them? So clearly, um, you know, if the rest of the world grows, and in particular China grows, and they keep demanding our resources, um, our food, um, which we are a bit of a food bowl to, uh, to Asia, a very good product, very clean product. Milk flies out of here every day uh, up into China. Um, they're going to continue to do OK. I don't think that... Um, that, that we're going to be too worried about that part of the economy. Where I am a little bit worried is to your point of education and tourism. So they're our second and third, well, third and fourth largest uh, exports. And clearly, until the borders open up, um, they're going to be affected. So uh, they might be still able to open up hotels. And, you, know, uh, you don't want to be going into a, a hotel room and, and, and potentially coming back with coronavirus. So the cleaning's going to have to be done and all that sort of stuff. Um, but more importantly, you need tourism to come in. So Australians can go to these hotels and we can, you know, instead of going overseas for our winter holidays, Kosciuszko looks like a pretty good place. Cairns looks like a pretty good place. Um, as to does probably Broome or, you know, somewhere in the north to, if you want to warm your, your, your bones. Um, it's the question of when we do open the borders and they, we, we, we do see tourism coming in, um, hopefully we don't get that outbreak. Now, until we do, um, the Australian economy just can't keep... Well, it's not going to grow by as much as what it could if we had the borders open. So the, the, our, our third and fourth largest export being tourism and, and education, um, it's going to continue to suffer for some time. Now, in our last video, I spoke about... Uh, I thought that the um, uh, that was likely to be somewhere around September of this year. And even when the borders do open up, uh, you can expect incredibly long lines at immigration to get through as everybody will be checked. It won't be spot checks. So there's going to be delays and there's going to be issues as we, yeah, as we roll forward. But um, until such a time as those borders do open up, we're not going to see the full potential of the Australian economy uh, because uh, you know, two very big components are still shut down. Mm, that's interesting. We've um, we haven't really seen the uh, the outworkings of the stimulus as yet. They're due to hit um, uh, probably uh, this week, sometime I think. Um, and so um, you're expecting some um, um, impact of the stimulus. Do you think it it's actually going to 
uh, give people a, a lifeline? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's giving uh, both people and businesses a lifeline. Um, and uh, so from that perspective, the, uh, the government has done absolutely uh, you know, a, a good job. Um, and I think that if we do find that we don't have enough stimulus because the economy doesn't fully recover back to normal, um, by the end of the year there could be another lifeline coming. Um, certainly I keep watching the news, uh, as everybody does, and you hear you know, of, of someone who is on 300 or $350 a week now receiving $750 a week. Um, so, you know, there's been a little bit of, uh, of additional stimulus in there, so to speak. Um, and so from that perspective, I think that, um, you know, we've, we've done enough to, to bridge over uh, the valley of, uh, of this recession, almost depression-like scenario that we're going through. Um, and uh, and I, I think you know as I say I I personally think that it's been the right job and uh, and it should keep us trying to see what or trying to stay normal as opposed to you know going through this huge shake out and then coming out on the other side and all of a sudden everyone's looking for a job again because no one's had one just like the depression years of the 1930s. That's uh, that's interesting. Um, Emmanuel, we're going to try and um, avoid as many of those road bumps as possible as we go along the investment committee, uh, our approved product list committee uh, are considering all of these things. Uh, how do you think we will look at the world um, uh, from an investment perspective um, now that we've actually been through uh, this coronavirus? Okay, so I think the, the most, from an investment perspective, the most profound change that we're going to see here is that interest rates are going to stay low, almost zero, for a long period to come. So look, um, as we were trying to forecast what was likely to happen through 2021-22, um, we were saying that you know at the tail end of 21, we could potentially see higher bond yields, higher interest rates, um, and slightly higher inflation uh, numbers. Well, that's out the door. There's no two ways about it. So now the question says, all right, well, what do you do for income? Um, and, uh, and where do you put your money? Because the return has all of a sudden dwindled. Um, the way I see it now is that uh, we're probably going to see lower interest rates for longer. Um, and if we have got lower interest rates for longer, uh, returns are going to, just generally, returns are going to be lower. Um, which pushes us now to say, okay, well, we still want to take equities because they can grow or shares because they can grow. And whether you're buying Apple or Google or Microsoft or whether you're buying BHP or one of the Australian banks, um, you, you're still investing your money to get a return on your money. So from that perspective, um, uh, we will still be looking at share markets. We will still be looking at um, you know, companies to work out whether uh, they're going to be providing us the growth that we want. The return on their capital that they invest is going to be lower just because inflation is going to be so much lower for a long period of time. And trying to push prices through to get increased profit is not going to be that easy. So the world is going to be tricky from an investment perspective. Um, if I can just caution you all to have lower expectations of returns, last year was phenomenal. It was absolutely spectacular. In March of or April of 2022, uh, one, um, returns are going to look like they've bounced again. It's going to be absolutely great. But then when you look at two years and three years, we're going to be getting back down to that six, six and a half percent, which looks more normal. Now, for our balanced investors, we say keep the faith, 
make sure you've got enough money to live on so you don't have to worry about the volatility of the market which or bumps, which we will still see coming through. Um, uh, so your bucket strategy, if you, you know, if, if that's the way that, um, that you, you look at your investment, keep the buckets adequately positioned um, and and you know wherever you see a nice big bump in in share prices and property prices fill up your uh, least aggressive bucket um, and that way you'll be able to cruise through the next few years um, we haven't strayed from that I haven't strayed from that I still think that uh, 20 so 2022 uh, 2021 I should say uh, around April we're going to see a bump why because March of 2020 we saw a massive 35 percent fall so if you were lucky enough to get in in, in March on the 23rd of March which happened to be a, a low point in the marketplace you're going to see a bumper return even if things just cruise along here um, for, for the next year. They don't have to go up by much, even another 5%, you'll still see a 26% return on your money. A two-year return might still be negative. A five-year return will be about 6%. So um, it's important that we keep the perspective. It's important that we really understand that investment is for a long period of time. Um, and if you do gauge that long period of time um, and stay focused on uh, your, your investment objectives, I think, will cruise. Well, not won't cruise through. I mean, there'll be plenty of worrying times, but we, we we should reach our investment goals by the end of it. That's great. Thanks, Emmanuel. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks once again for listening to our sixth sixth version of Ground Control. Uh, it is going to be an interesting time as we actually navigate some of the road bumps ahead. In our next session, uh, we will be talking about the linkage between Australia and markets around the world uh, to actually gauge what we think are going to be the impacts of this disconnected world as we see people, organisations and uh, countries come out of COVID-19 uh, experiencing different results. Thank you once again and we look forward to catching up in our next version of Ground Control.